This episode of Nomi Athlete Radio is brought to you by Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker cuts through the noise by analyzing your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness trackers for a personalized action plan. Save 25% today when you go to insidetracker.com/nma. This episode is also brought to you by Green Chef. Green Chef's vegan and vegetarian recipes are high in plant proteins and rich in omega 3s. Go to greenchef.com/90nomeat and use code 90nomeat to get $90 off including free shipping. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Me Athlete Radio. Well, we're back with our, our second three-person interview slash discussion uh, in a row here, Matt. Yeah. And, and we're recording them in back-to-back days. So I've gone from doing no interviews in years to two in two days. Two <laughs> in two days. Yeah. Uh, I think that this one uh, this one should be fairly casual, as the last one was, but maybe even more so, because we're both good friends with today's guest, Sid Garza-Hillman. Sid's episodes always have a spot we need to delete later. We need to go back and cut out <laughs> a, lengthy, a lengthy segment, because somebody got out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about Sid not showering. And... Right. Something about kids at some point. I forget what that was. <laughs> yeah. It was not appropriate, but it was. Uh-huh. Well, we actually had a fairly inappropriate conversation uh, that we didn't record before, yeah, this, that's right. <laughs> before starting. We so maybe we just knocked that all out yeah. of the way, all the inappropriateness. But Sid, welcome back to Nomad Athlete Radio. Uh, great to be here. And anytime kids and inappropriate are in the same uh, <laughs> sentence, it's, it's fine. It's all, there's never anything negative. <laughs> no, of course not. Well, Sid, uh, let's see. We, I mean, I think we have a lot to catch up on, which has been we a while do. since we've talked anyway. But uh, you have a new book out called Six Truths. Six tru- Truths or Truths? I don't really know. I guess it depends I, on I don't know. Yeah, what how, part of the country you're how el- yeah, Exactly how elegant you are. Six Truths. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Which is, which is really fun. I was super excited about this because, first of all, I love your work. I always recommend your stuff to people. Um, Approaching the Natural is just such a good pocket size not really pocket size but it's, i like to call it that yeah uh bite size yeah it's just a super approachable guide to health in every facet uh and and then you wrote a parenting book which is cool yep. um i'm blanking on the name of it all of a sudden raising raising, raising happier he- raising, raising healthy parents yes. yes the name which generated so much controversy people thinking it was about uh their, their parents old people yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> old, and, old people <laughs> And now you've written a book, uh, a personal development book, which I asked you if that was, uh, I didn't expect you to say yes. And you said, yep, it's personal development, which is super it's cool. It's kind of self-help. Yeah. It really, really, right. it really, really is. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is amazing because I like that genre a lot. Doug and I actually were just talking about how that is the genre that both of us tend to read when we read. Cool. Um, but not, I don't think a lot of people do what you've done, like this this uh, arc, progression, whatever, from from health to raising kids to now self-help uh i mean is this arc something that is going somewhere or are you just thinking whatever i'm into is what i'm doing or is it are you gradually are you sort of moving up the ladder and like broadening whereas first it was specific and now now this is sort of broader <laughs> yeah I I th- you know well, I mean? no i i know where, i know where you're going i think it's i think it is a, a certain amount of broadening i think it's a certain amount that came from my working with you know continuing to work with clients and honing my approach and practice and realizing that the hangups or the limitations of a, of a, 
of a move to increase your health can be a short-term success at best unless you have a backdrop of self-care. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you're like trying to get healthy and you go all in on the food, you know, Matt and I, we've talked, and Doug, we've talked about this a lot, right? If you have healthy eating, but stress around healthy eating, then you undo the benefit of the healthy eating. And plus you end up burning out like most diets do period. So as I, as I'm progressing and, and working with people as the small steps, you know, approach that I do, I realize like, this is all about happiness. And if you can build in that backdrop, then the moves you make in food are about self-care and about feeling better, not about restriction. And so I realized my next, my next move was simply like even back out from health, even more broaden out and say, well, this is about self-help. This is about a, an ethic of self-care. And then how you apply that ethic is, is limitless at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, that makes, that makes total sense. It makes, um, it makes me want to go right into my first question, but I also wanted to just catch up background. Um, yeah, let's before we get too far into the book. What what have you been up to the past the past few years? Has it been that long? <laughs> I mean, it's been like two years probably since we really re connected. I mean, oh I know. my god! Yeah, I mean, we touch, you know, we trade emails now and then, but yeah. Um, you you came on the podcast, I don't yeah. know, what like six eight months ago with with just me. Yeah, uh, and we caught up a little bit then, but it's been it's been a long time since. Yeah. Like, uh, okay. Well, a lot. Yeah, I think we. Yeah, I think we were. I think we talked. We were in already in COVID times. I think when we did that last show, right? Yeah, we talked about productivity yeah. and stuff. That's why. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, um, big, d deep. You know, I've been pretty busy. I had to put my race on hold, uh, and mm -hmm. I, in twenty twenty, I had to do it again in twenty twenty one. Just not quite there yet, and, and so hopefully that. So that that was less. It did less in that regard. But um, Mendocino fifty yeah, k. By the way, that's right. Mendocino Coast fifty k. Yeah, I um, I went. I did a complete redesign of Small Steppers, like the site redesign, the launch, the whole program is all brand new. I launched um, a private coaching intensive called Small Step Intensive. And so I've been working with a marketing team and kind of putting that out and, and that's all done, new videos and all sorts of cool stuff there. I went back to school and became a certified running coach. I then went back to school and became a certified oxygen advantage breathing instructor. Oh, neat. And yeah, so I've been folding all of those under my small steps umbrella. And, and as I'm coaching with the, in, my intensive clients, which has been going incredible, but I'm folding in the nutrition and the run and the running slash fitness and the breathing all in one and kind of creating this cool stress management package that I've been really excited about. So, and then the book, you know, so pretty busy with all yeah. that stuff. So what, I mean, so th I think that's, that's awesome. Really. Th I think it's cool that you are, uh, kind of honing your craft or expanding your skills and then yeah. in integrating things like what are you integrating it all into you know what i mean like where which i kind of asked a minute ago like where are you headed but like what uh i don't know like what are you trying to be right with with the with the small steps the habit change stuff the nutrition happiness breathe like, i guess is it is it just sort of a, a wellness thing that includes mental and physical yeah, it's a happy, you know, that's the book, like in a way that's the book, not to get to the book, but that's the, it's the happiness backdrop. It's what I realize is like, if somebody comes to me and says, I don't want to get diabetes or somebody comes to me and says, I want to lose weight. It's, I always want to say why, because I always, it always goes to, I want to be happy. I want to live a vibrant, happy life. I want to be with my family, like the very basic stuff that makes us happy. And so all of my goal including under the umbrella of small steppers is to help people manage their, and, and by the way, with the same thing with raising healthy parents is like, however you want to parent your kid, you do that better when your stress is managed, when you're feeling better in your life. And that, and, and it was like, that was the argument I always make. It's like, before you make move one into food or even running or whatever, 
get very clear on your goals, get very clear on the ideal life you want to live, and then try to manage your stress as you make those changes so that you can stick with them long enough to, to, for them to become habits. And then you can be, my, my small seven clients have a writing assignment, which is to write the difference between doing versus being. And to stick with something long enough where you're no longer doing something, you just are that per I'm just a healthy person. That's just who I am. You, that takes a long time. You can't hack that. You know, you can pretend in a diet, but to stick with it long enough where you're just somebody who does it takes a long time. And the way to last that long is to know how to manage your stress in the process. And so that was everything I'm doing with the breathing, um, coaching people on running. I'm not an elite athlete coach. I'm a, I'm a, regular person runner, you know, kind of coach and the small steps and the nutrition, it's all just sort of day to day, regular raising the bar of your day to day, you know, and that's, and that's where my, mm -hmm. all my aim is. And do you think, I mean, the sense I got reading the book from the subtitle, right? It was, was, uh, learn the, uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm don't have it right in front of me, but, uh, live by these yeah. truths and be happy. Don't, and you won't. Yes. So the be happy part is what I was wanted to ask about is is for you is that the ultimate goal the be happy part of it like i because i just you know there's there's the happiness research uh positive psychology idea we're looking at what it, the, the factors that we can engineer in our environments and the factors that go into happiness but i've even seen people question that and say is happiness really it or is it something is happiness a whole lot of things are there is there fulfillment uh is there like enjoyment is there scratching itches basically uh I don't know. I mean, is happy it for you, or do you think that is just one thing, and there's there's a whole bunch more than happy? Well, I think ha for me, happy is it, but it, but I def I maybe maybe the difference is, is maybe how somebody defines happiness. I I definitely think there's a difference between excitement and happiness. I've done a, you know recent YouTube video on that on that very subject. I've talked about on my podcast, like you know the excitement we get from a diet to me, or just a quick fix kind of thing, and you get all amped up, is very different from living a happy life. Happiness is sort of a deep, to me, a deeper level, under the surface, kind of day-to-day -day thing. It's the deeper existence. And I, I was asked recently how I would define happiness, and I have come to define it right now anyways, as living in line with your values. Living you know, I, people say the authentic life, but that's essentially what I'm talking about. Knowing what your values are, knowing what your standards are and like who you are ideally and living more in line with that person, not expecting perfection because that of course is ridiculous, but, but trying to do it most of the time. And that's sort of in line. And that way it's not me or anybody saying, here's what you should do to be happy. It's like, who are you? Now I can sort of guide you to be more of that person day to day. And I think the more of the real you that comes into the world, the happier that person is. And then you know, again, the moves of diet can be about to get you closer to that person and the moves in exercise can get to be, to get you closer to that person. It's always that ideal that you're striving toward knowing that it's, you're never going to reach it potentially, but it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. So, so I, I love this and I've been thinking a lot about happiness and Katie's been doing a lot of happiness research and, and we've been thinking this year, you know, just as there's so much to be unhappy about, you know, how to find happiness and, and contentment, contentment, um, you know, but you're not the first person to, to talk about happy. You're not the first person to write a book about it. You know, why did you feel like you wanted to write uh, and contribute to the conversation around happiness? Um, well, I think because of the work I do, I'm not a psychologist and I'm not a, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a, in a way I'm not a self, well, I'm kind of a self-help, but not particularly to that kind of thing. I think it's because of the work I do, which is, People are coming to me 
with health issues. People are coming to me with, you know, they, they, they want to do my program or they want to do small steps, you know, the intensive thing. And they come to me with the struggles around food and struggles around exercise. I get it. But I just realized, like, for me to be effective in the work I do, I have to bring awareness for them to happiness because that's ultimately where 100% of my clients want to be. It's never when you ask for five more seconds of why do you want to do this? It's never about, well, I just want to reach a scale weight. That's it. No, it's because they want to be happy. And, and I think people forget that a lot. I think it's crucial to keep that that goal on the radar because that's ultimately for me what everybody else, you know, what, what everybody, we all want in whatever form that is. Now, the reason why I wanted to write a book on it is because I have a certain style, whether it's successful or not, that is I wanted to, and Matt, you, 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 you nailed it when you realized it was the, the manifest, the, the approaching the natural health manifesto, that small size. If you put the books together, it's, ex it should be exactly the same size as approaching the natural. So mm. I, I, oh, cool. I the, yeah. So the, the publisher, the, I have a new publisher this time, rare bird uh, books, but I consciously was like, I think I want another little book like that. I love the accessibility. I like, I wanted to write something that was you know, easy to read and accessible and fun and funny in theory, you know, if you like it or you don't, whatever, but that's the goal and, and try to really make it edgy, but, but, but also, um, you know, like I said, accessible, but also substantial, you know, some real stuff in there, but that's, uh, you know, fun to read again, like happy to read it kind of thing is the, is it was the goal there. And so I thought, well, I wanted to, to, to put my voice in, into the ring. Yeah. I think, uh, I think, you did an excellent job with that. And, and the, the making that style substantial and meaningful is the hard part. Uh, but I think you've done really well with it. And as I was reading, I was like, I don't, I don't think I've talked to you about Seth Godin very much. But no. Do you read Seth Godin or have you? Well, you know how, why I know about him is because of you. And I know that you've been um, a, a big fan of, and know him. Like you've done some like physical in, in the room with work with him, mm -hmm. I know, right? And uh, yeah, I don't know much about him, but people, I think because he's bald, always say, hey, you're, <laughs> you're, you're a lot like Seth Godin. I'm like, yeah, I know. But also the work we do is similar too. Uh, anyways, yeah. and so, yeah. But yeah, there's definitely some crossover. I just don't know enough about him to speak to it, but I think there's definitely some crossover there. Okay, well, this, I mean, this book reads like, if Seth Godin were to get really feisty and kind of snarky for a day and, and churn out <laughs> 165 pages, this is that. Uh, uh, I mean, it's, it's, which is, which is a comp, a very high comp. It's not no, at no, all. No, cool. Um, but like, it's like a different, it's like every page basically, probably nowhere in the book. Can you open the book? I only read the PDF version, but there's never a two page spread where there's no subheading in that spot. Right. Like, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and that's I, what a Seth Godin is. There's these little chapters, so it's very easy to read, bathroom read, if you will. That's yep. not where I read it, but uh, <laughs> could have been. Uh, <laughs> um, but that, I, I think that, I mean, that style, I don't, for better or worse, that's the style that, that gets read these days. Whereas if you write a long novel that, that is six chapters and there's no breaks in those chapters, people just don't even finish the first chapter because that's, that's what people do, which is probably one of the problems you're trying to fix with this book, I'm guessing. That's correct. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a small stepper, right? So it's it's like I have p clients right now who have reading steps on their list of you know five minutes per day because we do get overwhelmed by even something that we really want. I want to read this self help book, but if it looks unwieldy and it looks dry and it looks like a task to get through, there's a we, there's a good chance we're not going to get through it, right? I wanted to be something. I wanted it to be something that at least can get somebody thinking about their lives and and making moves, and but not being beaten down in the process of, of, of reading it. And so that was the goal there, but yeah, on totally obviously conscious with this, with the, 
there's it's split up into truths, but there's a ton, as you saw, of of subchapters on purpose, subheadings on purpose. Uh, one of my favorite books is is The War of Art by Steve uh, Pressfield. Yeah, that, that's the book I thought of when I read it. Yeah, and it's mm. and it's you know I'll I'll be very honest, like I loved reading that book. I absolutely loved reading that book, and and so I was like, that's the kind of you know quick pick up, get in, get out when you have time kind of book I wanted to write, but in the self help slash health but you guys saw it's a little less than health than ever before. Like it's not that much yeah. on the health. I mean, yeah. health is health in, I wrote it as a tool to happiness, you know, as a, as a, as a road to happiness, it's not an end game in and of itself. It's a, a tool to make you happier or, or I would like it to be for people because then they don't get restrictive about it. There was, there's a line in, at the, in the intro that I just, <laughs> I really appreciate it. It made me want to read the book so much more, uh, which was uh, the pages do not contain fluff case studies, charts, graphs, <laughs> page fillers or bs and i don't know just like, just like, you know that's like what you expect when you you know and you're reading like a book about you know improving yourself you expect all this like case yeah. studies and graphs it's and stuff and, yeah. yeah and sometimes and sometimes look there's plenty of books i read that have those things i you know when i was you know when i've been doing the oxygen advantage you know the reading the books on those things in the study you know there's all that kind of stuff and they can be very helpful i just didn't want that in this book i wanted it to be like here's the meat here you go, <laughs> you know, and, and, and have fun, hopefully have fun with it, you know, and, 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 and then go on, you know? And so, yeah, that was my goal. Which I think, I think that is becoming the style in, in the modern. Oops. Uh-oh. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, the, like the modern self-help book to me, when done well, when successful, I didn't read, uh, oh my gosh, I'm, the, the book with the asterisk in, in the name, um, you know, not by me, <laughs> not, yeah. not by you, by Mark Manson. Well, I, I can't believe I don't know the name. The the Frat Boys Guide to Buddhism, basically. Okay, uh, it's not, I don't not know what it is. Okay, so that's a <laughs> good on. title. Though. Hold on, that is. I'll that's find my it. next book. Sorry, I should have. So I mean, I guess I wasn't about to bring this up. No worries. Um, subtle art of not giving a fuck. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. Subtitle: Frat Boy's Guide to Buddhism. In my uh, now I gotta bleep that <laughs> out. Come on, man. Yeah, that's right. Now we gotta delete something. <laughs> no, we actually do, so we won't get the explicit tag. We don't want that. Uh, got it. Um. Anyway, I haven't read that book. I assume it is. It's this where you cut through BS. You kind of just get to the point, and it, it you're not dancing around stuff. You're not softening things. Uh, you know, it's it, to me, it, it's it's the modern good way to write a, a self help book. So you mentioned Stephen Pressfield, um, but as I was reading it, I was just trying to place it in my head and like I wonder wh- who, who the influences were and what because I, I know you really well but I just didn't know that you had read or thought much about this sort of stuff so what who else or what other authors have you read or that that sort of informed your view of happiness and self-help and personal development not many you know I don't read a lot of self the irony for us I don't read a lot of self-help books at, mm-hmm. at all I, I it's literally was informed by my by my practice you know by working learning from my clients and and kind of getting to the deeper thing I will say that my all my work as a health coach and everything I do is it has always been the backdrop of the fact that I my bachelor's degree is in philosophy that was when I you know in college with no goal at all of doing anything that I'm doing right now. But the study of that, you know, Aristotle, there's all, I mean, it was re, at taking classes on ethics, thinking about happiness, even then, that really has, even I'm realizing so much now that, that it's still there in, in my study of philosophy. And I love that major so much. Like I, I always say that it really kept me in school when I, 
you know, I was like a economics major first, then I was political science, then I was English, and I just happened into a philosophy class, and I was like, holy crap, that is, I want, this is so much what I want, and so it's like the mm -hmm. least practical major, period, but I loved it so, so much, and so approaching the natural, you know, when I wrote that book, it was, it's a philo these are, philo to me, they're philosophy books, they're ethics books, they're thought books, you know, and that's what, mm -hmm. that's where I wanted to go with that. So I would say it was the reading back then Perfect. more than any, I've never read a self, I don't think I've read a self-help book in years, but it was yeah, just that that's kind why of I was, that's why it was a puzzle yeah. to me. And that is, that's yeah. a perfect answer. It's, it's philosophy put in a modern day, no that's BS right. kind of way. That's right. Do you, have, you, did you come across stoicism in your philosophy? Because that, that is to me is a very, very practical form of ancient philosophy. It is. I didn't tackle that. Uh, not at UCLA. They, it was more of a, um, you know, a lot of Greek, Greek stuff, you know, yeah. and, and Hume and, you know, Locke and all those kinds of things. It wasn't, I didn't get into, I didn't, I don't think I even took, there probably was one. I just didn't take a class on Stoicism. I loved ethics. Right. That, that was like my most favorite class was Aristotle's ethics. That was a class, one of the cl ethics classes I took that I loved a lot. And now you're vegan. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> Aristotle was not and found out that recently he was a bit of a racist. Uh, which oh, I yeah. which what yeah which I never knew so I was kind of a, kind of bummed about mm. so I've can, I've canceled him I don't want I don't I, I don't buy his stuff anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk about social media for a minute, and we did we just did an entire episode on this because I am four days into a thirty day social media fast. Nice, um, and I know that you are a big non social media guy or anti social yeah, uh, media. I, I well, yeah, I yeah. I mean, I'm not. I quit everything, but I'll, but I'm not. Well, anyway. And ahead. you tell, yeah, I think you tell people to quit it in the book. I mean, I don't it says tell people. To, time, I don't. Well, I don't tell people to quit. Well, I say I quit it, and then I, there's a specific paragraph where I say I'm not saying you should quit everything like I did. But what I am saying is that you should know it for what it is, and put it in your life appropriately so that it's not something that is going to tank you because it has very negative effects at that level. But I, I, I'm, I'm pretty clear in the book that I don't, I'm not, t and I've never told a client, like, you should quit social media. I did that as an experiment, and I'm happy I did it. Um, but, but I do think that people are spending too much time on it, obviously. I think there's serious ramifications for that, and I think that it's, um, you know, best served like junk food and say, like, oh, I'm going to do this as a treat sometimes and dive in, dive out, but not make it my most of the time. So, so if, if, it, if you know it for what it is, what, what is it? What is social media in your mind? Well, what it can be. Is a is actually something that you keep in contact with people and maybe get into conversations with people about topics, and I think that that can be very fruitful and, and productive. What it is for most people is a place of vitriol and anger, and a place where well, I'm going to be a little harsher, but this is what I'm talking about. Um, in the book is is you know weak to me weak-minded people who have the comfort and protection of a keyboard in front of them to say things that they would never say in person, and to make themselves feel strong because they can be angry and mean and and insulting and i don't find that to be fruitful or even realistic and that's why the name of that truth is social media ain't social i, I don't think people are being real when they're you know being that angry and mean and i don't think i, I just didn't want to be around it anymore and and you know matt you and i have we've you've just more than i have seen but even when we launched help me it simple way back when there was some nutty nut nut stuff going on you know right away you know just right away and it was like oh my god it's exhaust it's exhausting you know like i just don't want to be surrounded by those people and so um yeah so for me it can be something that's been very cool my i mean lisa my wife uses it in a sparingly sparing way that she keeps in contact with people that she wants in her life and i think that's amazing but she has a private kind of you know a, a, a contained account that is you know, regulated by her. 
Um, but for some people, I mean, I've had clients who spend hours and it's literally ruining their digestion. And I'm not even kidding because when they kind of start to regulate the social media and they start to lower their stress, they start to feel a little better, less bloating, less digestive upset. That's a, that's real. You know, the, the, um, part of the book that I talk about, which is one of the leading causes of death of kids in the United States, 10 to 19 at the time I wrote the book was suicide. And it's not all caused by social media, obviously, but that's a factor, you know, social isolation, they're, they're on TikTok, they're on, you know, Instagram, all these kinds of things. But, and it seems like it's social, but it's really not. It's not a natural thing for us. I was actually, I'm glad you brought up kids because I was going to ask if you think it's a, like this social media as a, a stressor is a tool. I mean, it's a, um, is like a generational thing where uh, older people who maybe didn't grow up with social media it's like turned into this way for us to kind of attack each other or get into like conversations, mean spirited conversations that we never would have otherwise. Um, but for younger people, it's just this place to like do dance moves and stuff. Or, but do you, but do you, you would say that for younger people as well, it, uh, it's a toxic environment or it can be. Oh, abs- oh, absolutely. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's any difference. I think that, that, uh, I mean, like I said, it can be fun like that. I think it needs to be regulated. I think as parents, our job is to regulate our children. My, my twins are 12. They don't have social media. Luna is 17 or almost 17. She has a private TikTok, So she has 12 followers, knows them all private Instagram, a handful of followers. My mom is one of them, you know, where she can kind of keep in touch with them, but very regulated. We, we, because it's not, there's a lot of comparison. There's a lot of, you know, uh, you know, a lot of intense competition with high school students of, you know, you didn't like my photo. I, the articles I've read on this have been brutal, like, you know, mm-hmm. bullying that's all happening with kids. That's not, that's not already, it's not like us going back in my day. This is for everybody. It's a weird dopamine hit high model like junk food. And it, and it brings people on it's designed to do that. And if left unchecked can be damaging. And so all I'm arguing for in the book is keep it in check like you would eating unhealthy food. I just did a video on intermittent fasting, talking about what I call mental nutrition, intermittent fasting as applied to what you feed your mind, taking breaks from putting things in your, in your mind, just the same way that you do with physical nutrition, food, intermittent fasting, and arguing for, for downtime from those things, just like you're doing, Doug. But I mean, day to day, you know, like not spending all the time you have connected. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm only four days in here. Um, and, but the, what I've found is that the instinctual habit of like grabbing the phone and, you know, searching for the app is still very strong. Like doing it multiple times a day, you know, reaching, uh, opening the phone up, looking for, looking for a social app to, to open up. But I have not once when I realized that I can't open up a social media app, not once have I been like bummed out about it. You know, it, it's it's been really interesting that I'm I'm checking it or going to check it all the time and never have I been, you know I don't know felt Disapp- a desire to like yeah been disappointed or felt like I really need to, you know re-download the app or something like that you know like it just hasn't been a problem at all and what's kind of funny is that you know after I deleted that app you know it shifts around the apps on your on your home screen and the app that comes up now and that in the place where Instagram used to be for me which was like my go to. Um, it's my bank account <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm opening that up and it's, it's like the opposite of like a, a positive hit. You know? <laughs> yeah, so, so like, it's funny. I'm like, oh, op- keep opening up my bank account, which I never used to do. <laughs> just 
just yeah, to like you're, you're, open you're something. Get, you're getting in like big arguments with your bank teller now about, <laughs> yeah. about yeah. the environmental impact of animal agriculture. Uh-huh, uh, yeah. Anyways, yeah, no, it's it's a it was definitely um, when I deleted everything. Um, I, I I always tell this story, and it's not a joke. My hand was trembling. I mean, it was physically trembling when I delete. It was with mm. Facebook when I deleted when I deleted Facebook. The, my account, my hand was trembling, and I thought this is <laughs> this is not a good, healthy thing. You know, like it's a weird thing, and it was very liberating. I got to tell you, like it was. I mean, I've written since I. This is direct relationship. Um, when I quit social media, almost within that month, I started playing music again. I've written an entire album's worth of music that I hadn't done in the ten years prior. Um, you know, direct relationship of quality of life, you know, like direct of giving that up. And again, I'm not saying people should quit it, but I think when you manage it well, it can be really, really awesome for your overall stress and happiness. Yeah, cool. That makes total sense. Because that's Matt, the point. Oh, sorry. Yes. Uh, I'm sure you got a lot of questions. I think now would be a great time to jump in with our our sponsor. All right, Doug. I love it. Always bringing us back to the money. <laughs> <laughs> Every day there's a new wellness trend. Eat that, do this, avoid those, listen to these six truths. How do you know where to start <laughs> or who to trust? Inside Tracker cuts through the noise by analyzing your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness trackers to provide you a personalized, science-backed, trackable action plan on how to live, age, and perform better. So Doug, you supposed to read this ad? I forgot. No, no, you, you you keep going. But this is kind of the opposite of the uh, six truths approach where there are no charts. You know, there's a lot of charts here, right? I mean, it's a lot of like data. But, you know, that's what you want when you're talking about this stuff. That's right. Inside Tracker is simpler, cheaper, and more convenient than traditional blood tests. Their blood test includes biomarkers that are key to performance that you don't get from traditional blood tests, like your ferritin and your vitamin D levels. My favorite part, though, is that they don't just give you the data. They provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips to take action so that you don't go down rabbit holes, Google, Wikipedia. You don't you don't want to do that when it comes to your health. For a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering NMA Radio listeners 25% off their entire store. Just go to insidetracker.com slash NMA. Change is an inside job. Start inside. This episode is brought to you by Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. Green Chef is the first USDA-certified organic meal kit company. Enjoy clean ingredients you can trust, seasonably sourced, for peak freshness. Go to greenchef.com slash 90nomeat and use code 90nomeat for $90 off, including free shipping. Here's how it works. When your food box arrives, you'll have all the pre-measured, perfectly portioned ingredients all prepped and ready to go. The recipes are quick and easy with step-by-step instructions that take out all of the guesswork. And as someone who doesn't really like to follow recipes all that much myself, I like to kind of wing it. These recipes were fun and just the right amount of challenging, but not overly challenging to keep me interested. I, my wife and I have had such a good time working through our Green Chef boxes. Green Chef is also the most sustainable meal kit out there, offsetting 100% of its direct carbon emissions and plastic packaging in every box. So you can feel great about what you're eating and how it got to your table. With Green Chef, it's easy to eat well and discover new recipes every single week that you'll love to cook. Green Chef's expert chefs design flavorful recipes for your lifestyle that go way beyond ordinary substitutions and if you're concerned about uh, Green Chef not being a fully vegan company and offering a vegan meal, a meal kit, 
Um, that was a concern of mine as well, but they are so good and they have clearly gone above and beyond to make sure that the vegan and vegetarian meals are just as good, if not, I'm sure, 100% better than, than the non-vegan and vegetarian offerings. Let Green Chef do the meal planning, grocery shopping, and most of the prep work for you week after week. Go to greenchef.com slash 90nomeat and use code 90nomeat to get $90 off, including free shipping. All right, so now we transition back to the episode. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good way to do it. I said, truth four, it caught my attention. Uh, because you obviously didn't put it in here to sell books. There's no substitute for hard work, and there never will be. After telling people to quit social media. <laughs> uh, I think this is great, and I have increasingly found this to be true and realized this to be true. Uh, it, I mean, this, this was, you know, in, in different words, this was the hot topic 10 years ago when it was all about the 10,000-hour rule and, and the geniuses in their fields weren't actually born geniuses. They probably had a little bit of a, of a predilection for something uh, or, you know, maybe showed some, some ability to it, but it mostly just sort of a feedback loop and they showed, they, they got reinforced for it. So they did more of it and they eventually practiced the, the requisite 10,000 hours to become true experts in whatever the field. Uh, and of course that's just a, you know, just kind of in a guideline. It's, it's not some magic number, but the point is it's hard work. It's not, it's not usually gifts or talents that, that make you really good at something. Um, that's not really what your chapter, what your truth for is about. Um, I thought the stuff that struck me in here was like the lines about having, having garage band doesn't make you suddenly a pro, uh, you might know the lines better than I, it doesn't turn you into like a pro music producer, uh, or having, having, um, Photoshop doesn't turn you suddenly into a graphic designer. I mean, it, it does, it makes everybody a graphic designer, but not a pro. Uh, can you talk about this? I, I just thought this was a really good chapter and, and very, very true that in this age of technology, it kind of seems like anybody can do anything, uh, but there are a whole lot of people just kind of trying to fake it till they make it, as you talk about at length, uh, and and it, we're kind of empowered to fake it as we make it. Like anyone now can just make make their open up their graphic design shop and start faking it because they have a Photoshop account. Uh, can you can you expand, please? This is I, I think this is really great. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned which truth Truth4 was because uh, I got interviewed recently and I forgot one of the truths. I was like, I don't... I, and there's only six. I was like, what was that? What was that sixth one? Anyways, so um, yeah. So yeah, hard work. And now, of course, this is applied to happiness, right? So to me, it's, you know, the Gladwell kind of 10,000 hour thing that I, you know, uh, was... You know, again, you have an innate talent for violin, but it's still going to take you. And I and I respect that, and I completely agree with that. It doesn't come like magically, um, but as it, as it applies to happiness, ha living a happy life takes constant and hard work. And every time we try to hack that, we lose. And that's the reason why quick fixes are a huge money makers because they sell you this idea that you're going to reach it without a huge time commitment and without constant hard work, you know, 10 pounds in 21 days kind of thing. It's just that that's not your real, for most people, that's not their real goal. They want to not only lose it, they want to keep it off. Okay, well then you're talking about a whole different ball game. Seems like the same thing, but it's not. It's a completely different thing. One is short-term, one is establishing long-term habits and that is hard work. But as it applies to, again, happiness, but let's say you want to be a musician, you want to be a screenwriter, you know, like you said, like this is the best time. Like I always, 
I felt bad about saying this, and I think I even said it with Doug, which is this was like the best time for a pandemic. I mean, we have access to online courses. We have access to things that come on our, you know, we, that we can be productive and creative at home um, for most people, obviously not for everybody, but for a lot of people, this was a place you could do things. Um, you know, I moved up here in, to the Mendocino Coast from Los Angeles, where it was a constant of, you know, I'm a screenwriter. Oh, what have you written? Well, nothing. I'm working on one for the last 18 years. You know what I mean? Like it's never producing. You know, I don't know how many people have come to me because I've been a podcaster for years. I want to start a podcast. Can you help me? Sure. And I get them set up. It's free garage band. You can use a, the, like the cheapest microphone for 20 bucks and it, you're fine. You can go, get more, but you can get set up for nothing. Nobody that like 99%. I don't think anybody I've, I literally don't think anybody I've ever helped has stuck with a podcast. Literally. Exactly. So it's always like, Oh, I want And they think it stops at the tools and it's magically going to happen. No, those are tools along the way, just like diets, a tool along the way to happiness. This is a tool along the way to something that in theory you want to do that will make you happy. But it, there's a little bit of, un, you know, when we all, st I don't know, you can tell me what you guys think, but when I started my podcast, I knew that the original one, the Approaching the Natural one, I, I wanted to be a podcaster, I thought, and, I, and it turned out I did. But in the beginning, it wasn't easy. It was, it was I had to sort of slog through it and create a, a regimen so that I could be with it long enough to know if it was something I really wanted to do. And it turned out it did, I did. But at least I got to that point. That was hard work. It was hard work to get, you know, like I wanted to write a book. It sounds so great. The romance, I want to write a, I'm going to write a book. Well, when you're up at two in the morning writing a book, it's n a nightmare. It's not romantic. It sucks <laughs> at, like on every, on every level. Right. And so then you're like, oh, that's what this is. This is hard work to do this thing. It isn't magic. It always sounds great. I'm a professional novelist. Okay. Well you have to write, you have to work in it. And that when you eat that when you understand that and accept it and stop trying to cause yourself stress by avoiding that when you just accept that living well takes constant attention constant awareness and hard work it relieves a bunch of stress and then you can deal with the actual stress of getting it done you think uh be so the podcast thing is so so true uh i i even when i try to restart things like if i ever if i ever get the idea that i'm going to start something new uh like just a side project or something most of the time, I don't start it, even though I know everything that how to do, because it's it's hard work, and it's yes. not that I'm opposed to that. But like, I just I just remember how much hard work it was to launch a blog and a podcast, and how many times you had to write, hit publish, knowing that no one was going to read it pretty much or listen to <laughs> yep. it, yeah. and knowing that it was going to suck because the first ones are really really bad. The third, like so to become a podcaster, you have to make a bunch of really bad podcasts first, yes. and and you have to publish them. You can't just hold. And that's what I want to get to here is anyone I've talked about the podcast thing before they they get the tools or whatever and then they get started and then they tell me well I'm waiting until I have 10 episodes before I actually start that way I'll have yes. this nice little backlog and so I, I guess I wanted to see if you think you may have just cited that one example as you know your example of someone not wanting to work hard but do you think it is also that they are afraid to start or, or are these kind of the exact same, are, they, are these two sides of the same coin? Or are they just different things? And one of them is people have an expectation that it's not going to take real work when in fact it does. Um, it just, somehow it seems so closely tied together. Like the reason people don't become really good at GarageBand or Photoshop, you know, become true designers or producers uh, or musicians or novelists. It, it's not just that they don't want to work hard. It's that they, it's that they don't, it's that they're afraid of, of really beginning. They're afraid of not being good at first. 
I think you're hundred percent right. I would put that all under the under the same. Uh, we don't like stress umbrella. You know, we don't. It doesn't feel good to be stressed, and that can come from the hard work of it, and also the fear of of that it's going to be criticized. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you, we've all been doing this a long time, but I have a new book coming out and I still have this thing like, Oh my gosh, what if the review, what yeah. if the reviews, you know, the, the one, the, right. It's still that fear. And, and a lot of my book, a lot of six truths is how to not stop feeling afraid, but how to negotiate a happy life in spite of that fear. It's that, you know, we have a protective mechanism uh, in, in us that lizard brain kind of, thing that it, that if if it perceives danger is going to help want to want to make us avoid that thing um and so that's at play all the time and then there's a more prefrontal cortex sort of executive thinking that says look i feel afraid but i'm going to keep doing this because i know that it'll it'll fulfill me i think as the stress of the modern world rises it's harder to get on top of that lizard brain it's hard to maintain that kind of executive function like i want to do this in spite of the fear i definitely think that's at play i think that it can just be ah this is harder work than i thought it's not as romantic but it can also be what if i'm not good at it and you're right like i i just talked recently um in a pop my first album that i ever did when i was like 24 i cannot it makes me cringe like it's it makes me cringe like i don't want to hear it like i'm glad i did it because of one reason one reason only i got done with that one and i could get onto the next one which mm -hmm. was to me a lot better and so on and so forth to grow as a human being means grappling with these ideas of perfection grappling with these ideas of so-called failure grappling with these ideas of good and bad and negotiating a, a, a ethic of hard work that says i'm going to slog through it a little bit because i got to get i got to get to the next thing and a client of mine years ago sent me a quote. I'm going to paraphrase it and butcher it. It's horrible. But it was something like a first draft is perfect because that's all it needs to be. And it's like people want to make the perfect thing right out of the shoot. It's like, no, you got to get something to work with or mm -hmm. to move on from. And then you, the next time you have the experience of doing it and you have the knowledge and then it can grow and evolve and you can too as a human. And that means that getting into it, you know, getting a little bit dirty. Yeah, I've heard... Uh... I mean, writing for the wastebasket is sort of one of the approaches people take. Like, if you just say, like, at first, I'm, I'm literally just writing because I'm going to throw, this, I'm going to do this, and then I'm print out the page. I mean, in the days of printing out pages, and then I'm going to throw that into the wastebasket because mm -hmm. I'm, all I'm doing here is is writing for the sake of getting into the practice of writing. Uh, or a songwriter who's like, their their job is to write a song for 30 minutes, and then then they're just going to scrap it because that's that's not they're showing up just to the to do it to do that's the right. to do the work to the practice. This is Stephen Pressfield talking, obviously. Uh, and you just show up, and then eventually, and eventually, you do it enough times that that inspiration starts showing up at the same time you do, uh, and then and then you're a songwriter. So I think uh, that that's all wonderful. I love that stuff. Um, the reviews thing, which you just mentioned about getting getting one star reviews, I actually think this is this is really important and something I've not heard people talk that much about. Um, and it relates back to your social media thing. I think like everyone talks about reading your own reviews and i like i've made it a practice not to read not, not a practice i don't even want to i just can't because i know if i read amazon reviews of any of my stuff or read the podcast reviews god forbid youtube <laughs> i mean no wonder you turn off youtube comments they're, they're the worst but yeah. like if you you, you can't read those that you can't take them seriously and and be a productive creative person i mean just i think maybe people can but to me it's not possible because you you the one bad one out of 99 or with a hundred good ones, you'll you only remember the bad one, of course, and then that affects the next time you sit down to try to make something. All you can think about is now you need to make sure you write it to, that no one can say that again, uh, and then your work just gets diluted and not any good. But I think that what I don't hear people talk about is 
I have made it a practice, and this is more has taken more, uh, I guess, willpower. But I used to indulge in like reading other one star reviews on Amazon, and it's just kind of fun to like see somebody kill somebody else in the, in a review. <laughs> yeah, I realized how bad that habit was yeah. because that that trains you then to make work that's that's just you know to make sure that no one can ever say that about me. So I. If you're a creative person, stop doing that stuff. Like, stop indulging in in even reading one star reviews because it's fun. Like, it just it just doesn't help anybody. Just I don't know. Sit down and do the work. Yeah, well, I argue it's such a great point, and I argue in the book. It's like, look, if you see a movie and you don't like it, you didn't lose that time. Like, good, but you know, you don't have to go. Like, in before social media, we didn't go to a movie in a crowd of people, not like it, and then walk out and literally tell every person that we could find our thoughts <laughs> on that movie. You know, we might go home and tell our spouse or a friend and go, that movie sucked. But we we have this thing now, it's like everybody's an, a, a critic, everybody's an authority. And everybody, you know, we at the resort, you know, if somebody doesn't like a, a dinner at the, at, the, at the Stanford Inn, they don't just be like, ah, I didn't like it. They're like, here's what you should do. It's like, really? Because you have any <laughs> kind of uh, cred to tell, like, you didn't like it. Fine. It's not a way, you know what you don't like now. You know, a little more knowledge, like you don't like this, and you don't like this. If you come at it with sort of an artist's perspective, you can say, well, you know, uh, if you, I didn't like this video, I, I, I've had people critique my YouTube videos when I was allowing comments. Here's what you should do. 100% of times I would go on their channel, no videos. They, they, don't, even, they don't even post videos. So, yeah. so, I, so I started responding at the time. I don't anymore. I'd say, listen, thank you, but you know what? Why don't you take that knowledge of what you don't like about mine and do it better than I do? And then, and then let me know and I'll check out your video. That's what I would always say. I'd go, no, good, great. You know how to do it better. Let me see what you got. Because if you don't produce it, I don't want to hear from you. And finally, it just got to the point where I was like, this is a colossal waste of my time. <laughs> so, so I just, I just turned off, I just disabled comments right out of the shoot. I just, when I post a video, I just, I've disabled and it's been over a year. I've just disabled comments because it's just not, I just want people to learn and move on. And I don't want to be, uh, inf influenced like that, you know, by the way you were saying, man, I don't want to be influenced by that. I don't even want to read them. I don't want to read them about me and I want to read them about other people. And, uh, we're so just pissed if we have to watch something that we didn't like it's like oh my god it's okay we don't have to like everything you know take what you get can get from it and and go on and make your own stuff so we we've kind of moved away from this a little bit but a second ago we were talking about doing the hard work and to me that leads or segues really well into your last truth which is uh, i believe it's something like the happiness y, right? is is in the a to y yes something like that yeah which you know is another way of saying uh you know, happiness is in the journey, not the destination kind of thing. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, but you're talking to, <clears throat> you're talking to a, an audience of people who uh, like to train for a marathon or an ultra marathon or, you know, achieve these kind of like big goals. Matt and I talk about goals all the time and setting these goals. Um, you know, so talk to me about why you think it's in the journey and not the destination when, when so often we're inspired by the destination and not, the hard work that it takes to get there. Yeah, great. And this is why I mentioned before about the difference between excitement and happiness. And I'm I'm a I'm a goal setter, you know. Also, and so I think in the book I I'm very clear like this isn't about not setting goals, but I want to make the difference. I want to set the line between excitement and happiness. Happiness to me is the day to day. Happiness is the is the work and attention of just being as present and aware in your life and engaged in your life as possible day to day. And the goals that are exciting, it's like when I run, you know, when I ran my first ultra marathon, it was like huge, but, and it was exciting and it's part of happiness, 
but it's like, okay, but then what do I do the next day? Right. It's like, we have to get to me to be happy. It's like you hit your goal next day, start, you know, do another goal because it's not, it's about the showing up to the starting line. It's about the training. It's about the date, the boring it to me. It's like the, maybe the more boring stuff, but that's where happiness lives. Happiness lives to me in the day to day. Then there's those peak excite peak spikes, but those don't make a happy person. They can feed into the happiness, but the happiness has got to be you addressing your day to day. How are you living your day to day? Setting a short term goal is awesome. It's just not going to be enough. And certainly, you know, if you do it and then you have to spend the next two years reliving the past, you know, here's what I did three years ago and you know, resting on your laurels kind of thing. Never work. It never, it never works. It's like the guy, you know, still talking about the high school football days. It's like kind of depressing. Right. So, you know, set your goals and, and meet them. But the fact is, and I talk about this book is in a way, make the goals somewhat obsolete, like train for them, try to get them. But if you don't, if you've done it right, it won't really matter because you go, I gave my best shot here and I showed up. I didn't finish the hundred miler, but it freaking worked my ass off and it was cool. And I learned a lot and then I'm going to make another goal. And I'm going to, I'm not going to, you know, stew on the fact that I didn't finish it. I'm going to just make another goal and go right on it. But your ethic is in the day to day and how you're living your life most days. So this, uh, this was my favorite part of the book. Um, I think there's this idea. Um, I, we have a nomad radio actually episode. I think entitled "Untangle Your Goals from Your Happiness." Mm-hmm. Is that correct, Doug? Yeah. Oh, and, well, there, there you go. Yeah, and it's about what you. I mean, you said it in a in a single line under in the planned outcome obsolescence area. Yeah. Um, that that you know basically the idea is is you have these goals. You use they are a tool. They can provide a little bit of of fuel for your fire. Uh, but they're not, they're not the point. Like you set them. If you think that will help you in, in moving along this, this path that you're moving along to become a better person. Uh, but, but it, it doesn't really matter if you don't hit them or it doesn't matter if you do hit them. I mean, good, it's great. And like, you can celebrate it for a little bit. Like you said, it doesn't really change anything because two weeks later it's, it's, you're probably not any happier than you were before you hit it. Uh, because it's about where you get, uh, Jim Rohn, who famous personal development speaker from the old days. His thing, uh, he said, it, you know, the, the purpose of goals is not to get the goal. It's, it's, the point is who you become in the process of getting that goal. And I think that's a, a just wordier way of saying the same thing. But I, I think this is such an important thing. Um, like you, I just, I love goals. They're really, really exciting to think about. And I even, I even kind of have to forget that, like when I'm in the goal setting mode, I kind of have to like let myself forget that this goal is not important. And that like, there's a good chance six months from now, I'm not even going to remember this, but it, none of this is to say you shouldn't set the goals. You should. It's just the importance to them that you attach. It doesn't. It doesn't need to be there. I mean, you just use them as fuel. But what really matters is is that that progression forward. So that I think this was a wonderful way to uh, to bring the book home, and I'm, I I really enjoyed it. Thanks. I, I would just add one quick thing just to expand on what you were saying, and and that is that two people can have the same goal. I want to run a 50k, but one person can be sort of wrapped up in the goal a little bit more at the expense of their health and happiness. And another person can be seeing that goal as like you said, which is to help be more engaged in their life and try something new and adventure and curiosity. And then they're going to be ready to set another goal. Same. It looks externally the same, but what's the difference? The mindset, the ethic. That's why I wrote six truths, which was an argument to say, if your mindset's there, then goals can be all the things that that was a great, like a great way to look at it. It can be, a tool, but you can sort of divorce it a little bit from your day-to-day living. Same 
it looks again from same external, but a very different way of approaching your life. And that was the argument in the book of like, get your mindset in first. I've been talking recently, like you know, mind, body, mind first, body second, you know, get your mind in line. And then the stuff you do in the world is all to that same end, which is to make you feel better about yourself and feel good and happy and vibrant. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> do you think that, do you think that kind of untangling yourself from the goal though means that you're not living up to your full potential? Like you want, like if the goal is, is just a tool for uh, getting you started or, or, you know, getting the journey going, you know, are you, are you ever sacrificing potential um, by not being the person who's like hyper-focused on the goal itself and, you know, achieving, achieving that their best, uh, the best that they can? I know. I, I think that, I think that like Matt said, I think goals can, if they're in from the mindset of, you know, tools can be incredibly helpful to stretch yourself, you know, to, to expand. I mean, I, I've been saying recently, like if anybody walked up to me and just sort of had a five minute conversation, they would go, you're the least ultra marathon person I've ever met. You know, like it's not my, it's, I'm not a good runner. I'm not a, I'm not, it's just not even my mindset at all to do that. And yet I've done a bunch and it was, it was sort of to get out of my comfort zone and do something that was insane to me sounded just absolutely insane, but it's been an incredible experience to do that. And so, um, I think that having those goals can help you stretch and help you and help you live a, 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 an incredible life and have those goals. I just don't want people bent out of shape if they don't meet them because it's not about that ultimately. And having them is like icing on the cake. It's awesome. But if you, but it's never, it can never be a substitute for a focusing on a day-to-day -day life of happiness and, and health. And that is the main goal. And then these goals that you set of short-term goals, like the marathon or whatever can be just awesome awesome pikes spikes but you got to come the next day you're back to your normal life so it's mm -hmm. really going to be where your normal life's at that determines your level of health and happiness it's never going to be about those goals this uh just to add one more thing to this because I, I do think there's a temptation when we are talking about not goallessness but but basically not making our happiness dependent on the goals there's a temptation to think that that means the same and kind of from doug's question it sounds like doug you're you're interpreting it this way uh that it means just, you know, goals aren't that important, so give up on them rather easily. Because that's that's not the point. You're right. Uh, it's that it's to understand that your happiness isn't going to be affected one way or another by whether or not you actually get that goal. It will be for a very short amount of time. If you if you fail at the goal, you'll be sad, and if you get the goal, you'll be happy. But then a couple weeks later, it, it won't matter anymore. And and you could I think you could be just if you went through the whole process but didn't achieve the goal, the person who didn't achieve it, like in Sid's comparison, even if they didn't achieve that ultra marathon, but if they actually were on the the better path the whole time, you know, they might be the one who's happier three weeks later because they they actually did focus on habits that would that would increase their happiness. So I think the goal is absolutely a tool. This is not to say give up on it or like just set the goal and then you can forget about it, because that's not the point either. Um it, no, it's, it's hard to work. use it. It's yes, yeah, it's to use that goal as, as much as you can. Heck yeah. It's just not. It's just not the thing that's going to impact your long-term happiness. Yeah, it's 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 both. It's it's set those goals and work your ass off and know the place they are and know the place that your day-to-day -day life is. And then the goals can be excellent tools. And you should and the and the working hard to get there is is something that makes you grow and evolve as a human being. And it's, they're incredible experiences. But you're right. It's like what what's going to be the life you come back to three weeks later? That's going to be ultimately the work that really needs to get done. And by the way, this is really, really hard to do for me. Like I, if I have set a goal and work really hard at it and then fail at it, like 
it is so hard to tell yourself, well, that doesn't actually matter. What really matters is the process. But that's, I think you just keep doing it and you, and you eventually do kind of, you know, move in that direction. I don't think, I've certainly not mastered that by any means. But uh, that's probably the truth with all of these truths, right? Like, they're, they're, and that's actually the last question I wanted to ask you. I forgot to write this one down, but I had meant to, and it's a perfect way to end. Someone could read these six truths, nod along with them, agree, and say, yes, Sid is right. Uh, um, this, this, is, this is the key to being happy. But then, like, what do they do next, right? We know, we know action one is quit social media. <laughs> yeah um, but other than that i mean how, how, how do you want someone to go about changing their life with by, by believing these truths is it just belief and that'll just that'll just action will flow from that well i mean because one of the truths is hard work right and there's no substitute and there never will be you know ideally they're reading the book and reading the ideas but understanding that there's hard work ahead you know and i say it very clearly in the book it's a worth a worthy a worthy endeavor to work your ass off and and in a, in a way that to make yourself happy but but it ain't going to stop with a book. Neither, by the way, is uh, healthy eating going to stop with a nutrition class, right? That it's the that's why I'm a small stepper. That's because I have a specific approach, not the only one. But I but that's why my most of my focus is in, is in implementation of knowledge. Um, but I did want to make sure that I covered the bases in the in the book about this isn't like this is knowledge, but you got to get it done. You know, that's why the person who has garage band but doesn't write songs, you know, it's because there's work to be done and, and it's not ever enough to have a tool. My book is a tool the way that garage band is a tool um, and you can learn, learn from it. But the reason why I was so clear about personal strength and hard work is because I didn't want people to say, oh, I got the book now, it's fine, I got it. No, it's like, no, now it's the engagement part. Now it's the getting past the excitement of it and getting into the, the nitty gritty of, of writing that book day to day at two in the morning, you know, like that's the stuff and that's the best stuff, but it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of fear attached to that and, and um, to learn how to move through that is, is, uh, is a hugely worthwhile uh, endeavor. There you, you have it. That? Setting the example is almost the whole shebang. I would definitely say, <laughs> definitely say yeah. And I swear, in the, the book is an e is an explicit book. If you know, I did a little swearing in the book. Um, but yeah, yes, and uh, because I'm tired of, and again, partly because of social media, just like, you know what? That's why that's why I would respond on YouTube. Like, make your own videos. Show me what you got. Set the example. Do it the work yourself. Stop talking so much and do the work yourself. And I always tell people look, as a, as with, with my clients, I'm like, if I'm not the guy, if you don't look at me and go, he's doing it and I wanna see how he does it. If I'm not that guy for you, don't work with me. Like find somebody who inspires you and so find somebody who is living a life that you at least perceive to be successful and or more successful than you are and learn from that person. But if, they, if they're not that for you, don't, don't listen to them move on to someone else you know because it really is can they pull it off because if they can pull it off that's great that's a really good start depending you know regardless of what they say all right the book is six truths sid garza hillman sid where's the best place for the nice people to go find your book well, everywhere. But the weird thing is, is at the time of this recording anyways, um, I haven't seen the physical book. And one of my podcast listeners emailed me because his independent bookstore, he had pre-ordered it. He got the copy and he sent me pictures of my oh, own yeah. book that I haven't seen. <laughs> that you haven't seen yeah. it? Yeah. So I'm like, that looks cool. I can't wait to see it myself. <laughs> anyway, so, so, he's, so, so it's everywhere. It's in independent bookstores, uh, obviously Amazon, Barnes & Noble, everywhere else. It's distributed, uh, you know, internationally or whatever. And, and uh, so, yeah, you can get it wherever you want. And it's, it's officially out when? Well, it was going to be April 13th, 2021. Um, and now they're saying April 20th. Uh, 
7th, like two weeks later, although, like I said, the, some people are getting it. So I think you can order it now, and there's a good chance you're going to get it. So I don't even know if they have a good firm pub, pub date on it at this point. Okay. It's, been it's out. Been leaked, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes, I know. It's been leaked. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's uh, I, I had a I really enjoyed it and um, and look forward to getting a physical copy that I can put in my put, pocket. Put in the bathroom. Yeah. You will. You bathroom. will. You. you yeah, it's a bathroom. You will get it. And uh, yeah, and thank you so much for this. Has always been fun. And I'm camp. I'm a little offended uh, that you guys didn't mention the coffee, but that's okay. We can. Oh man, that's man. okay. That's all right. That's hey, right. it's all. It's all right. <laughs> it's all right. I didn't. I don't want to make Doug feel bad. I didn't realize that he also got coffee. Yes, he did. I yes, he did. He <laughs> I got thanks for looking out for my feelings. <laughs> he, he got. Co- <laughs> no, not so worried about Doug's feelings. I got, yeah, <laughs> for the first time ever, I think. That's yeah, true. yeah. Did he? But, did he get the same Sid's mini tramp roast as I got? He did not get the mini tramp. That was you. Um, but he did get the same bean. I think what I sent ah. you, Ethiopian. Yep. Yeah, and I sent yep. Doug. I'm into Costa Rica now, but I get. But yeah, you guys both got the Ethiopian. Nice single origin. It was, it was delicious. Single origin organic, uh, home roasted. Yeah. Delicious. Yeah. yeah. Good. It was delicious. It had all good. the best parts of a dark and a light roast. That's right. I don't go too dark these days. I'm not going French. I'm going like second full, crack. You don't full, go past the second yeah. crack? No, no. I don't go past the second crack. Very, your knowledge, you're more, that, props to you, Matt. That's I'm good. I'm faking it until I make it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> look, really you can, you, look you can own a coffee roaster, but that doesn't mean you're going to roast. <laughs> that's, uh, anyway. That's that's right. yeah. <laughs> hey, Sid, you mentioned, we've mentioned YouTube a couple times. Uh, where can people find you on that? On oh on YouTube, yeah oh uh just search on Sid Garza Hillman I've got two hundred and sixty videos or some crazy thing like that but uh, yeah and then um, smallsteppers.com is my online program and then smallstepintensive.com is the uh, private coaching that I'm really excited about and have uh, will have a couple openings opening up in about the next month so um, yeah so that's and then sidgarzahillman.com cool Sid thank you really look forward to. Uh... Then we can all catch up in person again. I know. Thanks for having me on. I was uh, one. Of, I was going to be in Asheville this year, but uh, alas, maybe that's next right. Year. You had emailed me that we were going to go tubing in the uh, in the river. And then yes. COVID. Now oh, I was right. not invited to go tubing, and I am a little <laughs> offended by that. It was like three months in advance. He said Oops, awkward. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Awkward. Yeah. Uh, and we should, and we'll have to play some music when we all get together. Ah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Cool. All right. Talk to you guys later. Thanks thanks for having me. All right, bye.